Hi, this is James Joker, host of Web Comics Reviews and Interviews. Tonight, we're looking at diet and exercise for the artist. So sit back, relax, and let the Geek Fest begin. The problem with being an artist is that you are subject to several stereotypes. Unfortunately, some of these usually run truer than a lot than we'd really like them to. Uh, one of those, for example, is our, well, dietary and physical habits. Ignoring hygiene for a second, um, what we're basically looking here is that, well, in all honesty, artists suck when it comes to making food for themselves, and a lot of us really don't care about our physical side. You know, we tend to stress our mental, our emotional, our fun part of our personality rather than the more physical part, and, well, that tends to be a problem over time. Making it worse is that one of the other stereotypes we're subject to is that we have a lot of emotional issues. Understandable because we are delving into our more emotional personality sides. You know, we draw a lot from our passion, from our inspirations, from the more emotional side of our personality rather than our more logical side. Generally speaking, we definitely tend toward the hot jazz side of stuff rather than the cold jazz. So, with that in mind, we're going to be a lot more susceptible to things like addictions, murderous rages, depression, suicide, all that negative stuff. Just because, even though we like to think we can deal with it, sometimes we just can't. And there's a definite environmental impact sometimes. So, environmental in this case, I don't necessarily mean Mother Nature, but in terms of the people around us. Having a good diet and a good physical regimen can actually help offset that to some degree. Also, let's get real, we can do a lot of stuff in the public arena, so, you know, being fit and trim is definitely an advantage. Looking after our physical appearance isn't just a matter of vanity, but actually helps us when it comes to finding patrons, when it comes to selling our artwork, or even selling our general merchandise. You know, we're going to have to do some sort of public appearance at some point, and looking our best is definitely a help in that situation. Unfortunately, as noted, a lot of artists tend to get so much into what they're doing that they tend to forget to eat. Others, because it's become an addiction, are pretty much just the opposite and actually have physical issues because of their weight. You know, diabetes is definitely a common problem. So again, looking after your diet, looking after your physical regimen isn't just something that's going to help you psychologically as well as physically, but it's also going to help you in terms of the public arena. As such, it's definitely going to help to analyze what we're putting into our bodies plus how we're dealing with it. So, what this entire podcast is going to be about is the basics of good, fundamental diet and exercise. I'm not going to get too much into the exercise side to be advised of that, the issue there is everybody pretty much has their own thing. I'm going to give you some general guidelines. I'm going to give you a really nifty, really simple regimen to follow. But other than that, it's going to be up to you to figure out what works specifically for you and to 
find what you enjoy, or at least what you can bear with. So, let's start with the basics. I'm pointedly going to ignore everything we're talking about the food pyramid. Yeah, I want to reference it once in a while, but generally speaking, I want to suggest that we sort of ignore it and go with, well, something that's a little bit better for practical purposes. Specifically, what I'm doing is I'm dividing foods for our purposes, at least for the purpose of this conversation, into proteins, carbs, vegetables, fruits, and of course dairy. Yeah, I know the food pyramid has, you know, uh, salts and oils, that sort of thing. But like I said, for our purposes, let's ignore that. It'll, it'll definitely be brought up, but let's sort of ignore that. Proteins is a wide variety of different things, a lot of different substances. Um, obviously, if you're a meat eater, you're looking at beef, you're looking at pork, you're looking at chicken... You're even looking at stuff like elk, reindeer, fish, so on and so forth. Uh, in some cases, you might even be looking at insects and worms. Yeah, you might actually want to look into those because they're high protein, low fat. Go figure. By the same token, we also need to include a lot of vegetable matter in there as well. And generally speaking, we're looking at things like, you know... Your beans, your nuts, your legumes, uh, even stuff like soybean, and when we, especially when we start looking at stuff like tofu. When you start looking at proteins, you, you need to figure out what's going to work for you and go for it. Everybody has different limitations on what they, they'll eat. Some people have religious prescriptions, others you know, just have some philosophical issues you need to deal with. That's fine. You know, different perspectives help in all fields of life and definitely help when you become an artist. But the key here is you want to find not just one or two, but maybe three or four different sources of protein that work for you. Keep in mind that I'm aware that there are going to be a lot of problems. A lot of people have like I said, have religious or philosophical issues. And some people just simply have straight health issues they need to keep in mind. That's fine. All I'm suggesting is you find a couple of different proteins that you're comfortable with. And once you've found those, you figure out a lot how to have a lot of fun with them in terms of cooking. That's sort of what I'm saying. Don't go with just one or two. You want to have a variety to draw from. One of the things that's going to keep coming up in this podcast is that you need to have a certain variety. Variety isn't just a, you know isn't just the spice of life. It will actually help you know alleviate a lot of other issues in and of itself, not the least of which is boredom. I mean, sure, you've got some people that are can only eat certain foods and they have to be very specific with those foods, but. And meat is definitely the one group that keeps coming up with there are a lot of different restrictions. But, you know, the bottom line is find stuff that works for you and go for it. Find out where the easiest place to get these different things are and then figure out a couple of different ways to cook and that you're comfortable with. You know, you definitely want more than a couple of different recipes. Carbs are definitely going to be a fun one. 
here's the deal. You'll notice that I said carbs. I didn't say breads. I didn't see grains. I didn't see any of that stuff. I said straight up carbs. The issue here is that when you start looking at carbs, we're looking for anything that basically fuels your system. That's exactly what carbs are there supposed to be. And, you know, you find that there's actually a couple of different major carbs. There's simple, complex, even just plain old sugar. Um, yeah, I'm purposely including sugar in this particular group. That's because, like you said, it's basically fuel. And not like we're talking like caffeine fuel. We're talking it's actually something that can actually be used to power your metabolism for a long period of time. I don't advise, you know, just sticking to sugar only. Obviously, you definitely want some of the stuff you get from greens and the related products. But again, you're going to have to find some stuff that actually works for you. I appreciate that some people have certain dietary restrictions for various reasons. And I'll actually be getting into one of those a little bit later on. But, generally speaking, you need to find a couple of different carbs at least that will work for you. Um, rice is a great one. Beans gives you a twofer because not only does it give you the carbs that you need, but it also gives you the protein as well. Um, potatoes, roots, that sort of thing work great. I mean, there's actually... A a running theory that you can go pretty much forever off nothing more than a good, decent baked potato. You know, there's a lot of different carbs out there. It's just a matter of finding stuff that works for you. On top of that, this is also something you can have a lot of fun with because there's, well, the carbs are included in stuff you can actually bake. Pies, tarts, donuts, Rolls, biscuits, so on and so forth. The bottom line is there's a lot of really great carbs out there and you don't have to restrict yourself to just wheat flour. You know? Uh, rice flour is a great sub... Is I want to say it's a substitute because people tend to think, whenever they tend to, tend to think of flour, they tend to automatically default to wheat. But the reality is, is that rice flour should not be seen as a substitute but as an equal to white wheat flour. And... You know, you can have a lot of fun with rice flour. Just be advised that once you pick stuff, um, don't feel limited to just those. You know? You can always have a lot of fun with it. I purposely have split vet fruits and vegetables, even though I know appreciate there's a lot of really weird crossovers. Tomatoes, for example, are a fruit. But let's get real, we tend to treat them as vegetables. Same with avocados. Both of these are berries. However, for our purposes, they have to be sort of separated because there's a couple of differences between them that make it sort of important from a dietary choice. That is, they have some slightly different uh, consistency when it comes to vitamins and sugar. Generally speaking, fruits are great when you come to vitamin C, as well as high amounts of sugar, whereas vegetables tend to be more vitamin-rich in other directions. That's fine. Um, what I'm sort of suggesting is that you, you know, look at this grocery market, 
and find a lot of really great stuff that you're going to be loving and have a lot of fun with it. Obviously, you're going to need some, you know, green leafy vegetables in there. There's a lot of, you know, your basic option is pretty much going to be romaine and kale. I mean, there's a lot of other variations in there, but those are going to be the big two. The only thing I suggest with the kale is if you're going to get into it, be advised it's going to take a lot of work because you're going to have to derib it a lot. You know, that one segment along the leaves, that's really tough and practically inedible. Yeah, you're going to have to figure out a way that works for you that rips that off. Either that or you're going to have to buy it straight up already processed. However, given the amount of stuff fun you can have with kale, yeah, you want to learn how to derib it. Just trust me. You're also going to be looking at your more colorful stuff. Your squashes, for example. You're also looking at your broccoli, your cauliflowers, and good old Brussels sprouts. Yes, I love Brussels sprouts. If you don't, you might want to learn. You'd be surprised what a good butter sauce can do with uh, Brussels sprouts. Um, cauliflower is definitely a multi-use vegetable. Not only can it make, be made to make things look a little bit prettier, but you can also make it into an actual pizza crust. Um, broccoli, a real basic vegetable, but it's also really great for snacking. Um, carrots, pretty much the same. You're going to find that you're going to want a good mix of vegetables in this area because a lot of vegetables are good only when they're cooked for various reasons. Others, uh, you know, we're especially looking at your squashes and your gourds, especially your gourds. If you try to eat them without cooking, you're going to find that you're just simply too tough. You need to soften them up somehow. But, you know, you're going to want a good mix of those you can cook and those you can eat raw. Uh, especially if you're looking at being, you're serious about being an artist. There's just something really cool. Knowing you can you know, go real quick, grab a couple of vegetables, put them in a bowl, possibly grab a dipping sauce, and munch on this while you're actually eating, you know, while you're doing whatever the art you're doing. Fruit. Again, it's going to be some one of those really weird situations. I appreciate there are some people who have issues with fruits, and not just because they don't like the flavor. See, I'm diabetic, so I tend to sort of keep in mind that fruits are a major source of sugar. And the more sugar I have in my system, the less healthy I am. There's a definite correlation there. So, because of that, I tend to rely more on vitamin C supplements than I do actual fruits. You know, one of my dark little secrets. But, don't get me wrong, I do enjoy a good banana or a good apple or even a good orange every so often. But, you know, again, you're going to be wanting to look at a lot of different fruits that you can either eat with minimal preparation or stuff that you can have fun cooking with. A lot of fruits tend to do double duty. In fact, most fruits do. There's only a few that are pretty much... You can't really cook them for various reasons. Or you can't eat them, you know, too often all by themselves. Uh, my personal favorite are the ones you can't really eat without preparing them somewhat. 
are figs and dates. It's just, they're, for me, they're just way too rich. You know, I need to have them in something a little bit more, well, baked. I'm a big fan of Fig Newtons, for example. So, you know, find your fruits, enjoy them. And like I said, they make great little snacks, especially when you need that two, three hours after a meal that you're craving something. You need a, and you need a little bit of an energy boost. Fruits are there for you. Dairy is a fun topic. While I can appreciate there are some definite issues with cow milk, um, not only do you have people that have lactose intolerance issues, but, well, again, diabetics <laughs> don't like regular cow milk either because there's a lot of sugar to it. This, of course, makes perfect sense given that cow milk is essentially designed, well, to give babies a fighting chance. Even though basically calves, you know, that's definitely going to be an interesting issue for other people. Again, if you can go with regular milk, go for it. Um, there's also a lot of different milk substitutes, like almond milk, for example. It definitely recommends some of those milk substitutes. Uh, just talk to me about a good golden milk recipe sometime. But, what I'm sort of looking at here is that if you can drink regular milk, go for it. And if you can do regular cheese, also has some definite di you know, dietary advantages. It just doesn't taste good. It doesn't also allow you some really nice variations in your cooking. But as a source of calcium and vitamin D, it just can't be beat. And that's even without you know any additional supplements into it. You know, I personally think there's something really cool about just being able to have a nice ooey gooey, you know, grilled cheese sandwich every so often. You know, on top of that, we're also looking at butter here as well. And I don't care if you're basically a big fan of butter and margarine. Personally, I prefer margarine, but that's because it's easier for me to cook with. What little baking I do, I prefer margarine for. That's fine. It really doesn't matter either way. Yeah, we'll be covering margarine a little bit later on as well. But, the bottom line is, when it comes down to is between these different food groups, figure out which ones work for you. Also try to make sure you don't have too much of the more obnoxious ones. You're going to see there's a lot of people that tell you a lot of stuff in terms of bad advice about certain foods. And... You've got to figure out for yourself what's going to work for you. You know, obviously I can understand why people would want bacon because, well, certain groups have a, a you know, pork is verboten. But, for those of us that can eat it, obviously we're not going to be doing three or four pounds a day. You know, don't get me wrong, I love my bacon, but... I'm a little bit too geared into what it can do to your blood. Specifically your blood vessels. So, you know, the key in this is you're going to find out real quick, moderation is key. You know, you don't want to eat too much or too little because you've got to sort of find that really great point for you. What I'm sort of advising here is, you know, the usual two to three servings of protein a day. Um, 
have a couple of carbs, especially if you want to snack on something. Definitely try to snack more when it comes to doing vegetables and fruit. And if possible, use the various dairy products, the milk, the cheese, the butter, or margarine such as it is, um, as basically enhancements. You know? That should cover a lot of sins. You're going to obviously have to work that out for however it works best for you. The only issue you're going to have, especially if you're vegan, is that you're going to be doing a lot more grazing throughout the day. I wish there was a better way of putting it, but one of the problems with a vegetarian diet, especially a vegan diet, is that there isn't a whole lot of carbs to it. Because of that, you're going to have to eat a little bit more in order to make up for that for the carb, carb issue. So, and you're going to find out that as a vegan, if you don't, you're pretty much not eating a whole lot, you're going to be doing, you're just simply not going to have the energy everybody else seems to have. You're going to be a little bit sluggish, and you're going to have a little problem getting up and going in the morning. So, just keep that in mind. That's arguably the reason that the vegan diet tends to be a little bit more expensive than everybody else. Alright, with that said, there's going to be certain diets you're going to want to avoid. First off, let's get rid of the obvious element in the room and go after the gluten-free types. Here's the deal. Unless you're a celiac, and with a celiac, what I'm referring to is those people that have a severe allergy to specific types of gluten, specifically wheat, barley, and rye, a gluten-free diet has no actual advantage. If anybody's coming in and telling you that, well, a gluten-free diet has all these really cool advantages and so on and so forth, ignore them. They're converts, and we all know how radical converts tend to be. You know? Again, if you're a celiac, fine. You know, you're uh, having wheat, barley, or rye glutens can have any number of effects on your system, all the way from, you know, you feel sick, all the way up to you potentially threat threatening your own life by eating these types of food, of glutens. However, for everybody else, you know, just get over it. There's no, there's, you know, gluten-free diet is pretty much a fad thing. It was set up because certain people have issues, and because those certain people have issues, obviously it's got to be a bad thing for everybody else. You know, that's, when it comes to diet, that's a really bad way to do it. Everybody has certain limits, has certain advantages, and, you know, there's a lot of really basic reasons that everybody should pursue this type of foods that work for them. If you simply don't like gluten, or more specifically, the wheat flour, so be it. There's a lot of other flours you can work with. But, you know, it's just a plus minus unless you have an actual reason. And by the way, if you're you're on a gluten-free diet and I see you drinking beer, I will make fun of you. The simple reason is that beer is based off of barley. 
and I find it really amusing. I've got all these people that are hardcore, oh my gosh, I can't believe I drink gluten, while they're chugging down a regular beer. Seriously? You know, at least be consistent in the stuff you're having a problem with. Next up is the so-called crash diet. Um, yeah, there's absolutely no way I can recommend this diet. It's basically a really bad idea. And here's the deal. Usually a crash diet allows you a huge thing of vegetable soup that you're allowed to refill and take from as often as you want. You know, you start the day off, the first thing you should be doing is getting your nice little vegetable soup up and going, and you can eat from that as much as you want during the day. At the same time, you're giving basically what amounts to snacks, you know, a couple of crackers with tuna fish on, that sort of thing, that you can eat along with this in regular meals. The idea here is that you'll be losing a lot of weight very rapidly. That's sort of why it's called a crash diet. The reality is is that you're only losing a few pounds of water weight. Yeah, you can see some really dramatic weight loss over a very short period of time, but as soon as you get down to a regular diet, you're going to be gaining it all back. As such, a crash diet might be great if you're trying to lose 5-10 pounds in a hurry, but in all honesty, if you really want to have a dramatic weight loss and you want to do it healthy, just up your exercise. If you're having to go to a crash diet in order to lose weight, there's something wrong with the way you're eating in the first place. So, you know, if you can avoid the crash diet under its 57 zillion different names, I think I've even heard it referred to as a military diet. Trust me, nobody in the military would ever go to this kind of diet. It just doesn't work. It's not sustainable. So again, we're looking at something that allows you to have as much vegetable soup as you'd ever want in a lifetime with a little snack items and meals. Sounds great. Doesn't work. Don't do it. The other diet is vegan. Um, this is not because I'm trying to say to avoid being a vegan. Just be advised that being a vegan you're going to have a lot of weird choices you're going to have to make on a, day, on a continual basis. I heavily recommend you do the research in terms of the foods you're allowed and not allowed. Again, if you're not consistent, people will tend to make fun of you and it could cause some major issues later on, especially when they're trying to figure out, you know, why you're eating all this jello when everybody knows that jello comes from, well, bone material. You know, there's a lot of interesting animal products that people eat and don't realize they're actual animal products. Sort of keep that in mind. Also keep in mind that you're going to have to select some interesting proteins and go for them. Um, the only other major problem with the vegan diet is that it tends to be a little bit more expensive because you're having to eat a lot more carbs and you're having to eat these through your various foods. It's just... One of, the dis one of the problems with having the vegan diet for some reason is that there's not a whole lot of carbs to it, which is sort of funny when you realize you've got the wheat flours and the rice flours and, you know, rice and beans. 
So, yes, just be a vegan all you want, even no matter what the variant is. Uh, just be advised that you're going to have some very interesting dietary needs. And you're going to have a lot of them. So if you're trying to cut back on money, a vegan diet may not be the best bet. But if you are looking for something that's a healthy one, and you don't mind putting a lot of effort into it, it's not a bad one. Again, I'm a meat lover, so obviously I have my own hesitation recommending a vegan diet. But I'm not saying don't do it. Go ahead and do it. Just be advised there are some issues that you need to deal with and plan for. The last diet you really have to watch out for what I'm going to call the cult diet. One of those things that you see a lot, in, especially if you start going into history, is that you see a lot of you know major cults. Um, you really want to have fun? Look up the Moonies from the 1980s, 1970s, 1980s. Uh, you'll see a lot in the Harry Krishna jokes in a lot of older movies. That's usually them. The reason I'm calling it the cult diet is because the idea is that by feeding initiates into the cult, you know, the people you're trying to brainwash, and I mean actual brainwash, not just... Yeah, we're talking, some of these cults would actually go in, the first stage was they literally brainwashed the initiates into the belief system of the cult, and then they'd be able to do pretty much whatever they wanted to with the people. And we're not just talking a standard religious initiation here, we're talking... Hardcore, they separate you from your family or whatever, your family and friends, and then feed you basically bologna sandwiches. And yeah, I know there's a lot of variations on it, but we're basically in a high protein, high carb diet. The key is that by using this kind of diet, whoever they were feeding it to, you know, the bologna sandwiches, such as, or whatever, um, yeah, you also saw a lot of people doing straight hamburgers, hot dogs. Um, you can even do, you know, tacos, for example. Or even a bean burrito. Yeah, we're looking for anything that has a high-protein, high-carb uh, density to it. Well, by feeding them this diet, they were able to better bring these people into believing whatever they wanted to. In fact, there is... You'll even note that to a certain degree, intelligence organizations such as the CIA include this kind of diet as part of the, well, their torture sessions. Or sorry, enhanced interrogation techniques. Interestingly enough, this particular diet in and of itself doesn't count. But the bottom line is, is that a high-carb, high-protein diet would basically be used to influence them the way of thinking. Well, the reason I'm pointing this out is because a lot of artists and a lot of people in general tend to go to a lot of fast foods and instead of going for the really fun stuff, you know, like the really deluxe burgers, that, tend to go for the really basic stuff. Meaning, of course, that they're eating a lot of stuff that is literally high-carb, high-protein. You know? Some people believe in do this thing of, you know, uh, a friend of mine had a real great love of chicken sandwiches at this one fast food place and would argue that the one really thin leaf of lettuce that was given with these 
was enough to qualify as a vegetable. No, it wasn't. The reason I'm pointing this out is because, well, as an artist, you want to do anything to avoid a negative state. More accurate, more important to this situation, you want to avoid anything that will enhance that negative state and create a feedback loop where you're basically more negative and more negative and more negative. Well, if you're basically a depressive person and all of a sudden you're eating this high-carb, high-protein diet, what's going to end up happening is that you're going to get more and more depressed and eventually hit the point of suicide. If you're an angry person, you're going to get more angrier and angrier and angrier until something violent happens. So I'm hoping you can see that there are some definite advantages to avoiding this kind of diet. What this basically means is that instead of ordering like a hamburger with fries, try to order something that has a little bit, some sort of vegetable component to it. And I mean a little bit more than, like I said, just that thin leaf of lettuce, something that has something definite to it. Or if you are going to eat, know you're going to be eating a lot of hamburgers, try to eat a lot of salads and a lot of vegetables in order to counteract that. Yeah, you want a balanced diet if at all possible, and this is the high-carb, high-protein diet is something you definitely want to hardcore to avoid. Otherwise, the results are not going to be pretty. While we're at it, let's talk about a few foods you definitely want to avoid. Um, us being artists, we're going to go for anything that gives us a little extra boost. This means energy drinks nine times out of ten. Um, definitely want to try to avoid drinking more than two or three, you know, energy drinks in a given period. You know, that, that caffeine boost is just simply not going to be healthy for you over the long run. At a short-term burst, go for it. But, and while you're at it, keep in mind that some of us hyperkinetics are what you call caffeine sensitive. That is, whenever we get too much caffeine in our system, it puts us to sleep rather than energizing us. Go figure. Um, obviously, you also want to avoid too many soft drinks or anything for that matter with a whole lot of acid in them. That's an enamel issue. That is, orange juice is great once in a while, but if you drink too much of it, it can have just the exact rotting effect as too many soft drinks. And that applies to pretty much, ironically enough, any uh, fruit or sugary drink. So, definitely uh, limit your uh, juice and soda intake. Also, you're going to want to avoid anything that has too much fat, too much oil on a too often basis. Again, like you said, baking is fine. You know, a couple of strips a day, cool. Three or four pounds a day, this is a problem. The same applies to butter. Yeah, butter is a great thing, but you got to keep in mind that most of what butter is is pretty much solid fat. Um, it's great for butter. I mean, it's great for adding a lot of flavor to stuff. You know, biscuits especially. Uh, vegetables, definitely. Um, but it does have a definite fat component, so therefore you might want to avoid it. Um, also, you're going to want to debate high fiber. 
I appreciate there's some definite advantages to having a high fiber diet, but you don't want to get too overboard. Like he keeps saying, you're going to want to do some moderation here. You're going to want to diet. You definitely want some dietary fiber in your diet because of, it'll keep your system clean. And it also helps deal with cancer issues, that sort of thing. But by the same token, too much diet uh, fiber in a diet will cause constipation. And we're talking some really painful constipation at that. So, you want some, but don't go too crazy on it or you're, there's definitely going to be a price to pay. Last but not least, let's look at some really nifty food myths. Here's the really fun part is you've got, because food is such a part of who we are, obviously we're going to have a lot of misinformation out there about it. It's just, you know, a lot of people talking, a lot of people get a lot of things wrong. I can understand why a lot of these things are wrong in the first place, and yeah, we'll be going at it as we go, but in general, you just have to keep in mind, whenever somebody starts spouting off about a specific diet or a problem food, do your research. Please do your research. Um, you're going to find 97 out of 10, especially if it's a new fad diet, that there's some severe health issues with it. Um, I just can't recommend knowing your facts ahead of time before you start going on this one. These really nasty fad diets and or going off some really bad food advice. It's just, you know, not always a good thing. If you are going to try something interesting diet-wise, talk to a diet doctor first. Um, with that in mind, Let's start off with the fun one. You know, the whole organic is healthy thing. The reality is, is that there's no actual definition of what constitutes organic. I mean, we've got a lot of informal ones, but, you know, reality is there is no definition. It's just something people put on packaging in order to pay, you know, to make you look like it has to cost more. Um... You know, if you're going to eat healthy, check out the products ahead of time. Make sure you wash everything. Make sure you inspect it before you eat. The problem with the organic is that you've got a lot of people that are doing into it, and they've defined it, you know, somewhat reasonable. You know, it's pesticide-free, for example, as well as non-GMO. Well, the problem with this is that in trading off the pesticide, what they're doing is they're essentially taking a lot of the stuff that you normally wouldn't deal with, the insects, the bacteria, and all of a sudden now you have to deal with that. Now, while there are some really great ways of dealing with insects on a farm that have nothing to do with pesticide, uh, my personal favorite two are praying mantises, as well as spiders, and let's not forget about ladybugs and aphids. You know, these are some really great ways of dealing with you know, raising a farm without necessarily having to deal with pesticides. The problem, unfortunately, is that you're trading one range of problems for another range of problems. Specifically, you're getting rid of the pesticides, but you're having to deal with a lot of animal uh, animal waste. So, try to keep that in mind. This is not necessarily a bad thing. Let's get real, you know, 
we've dealt with animal waste as a fertilizer at least since pretty much day one, and we tend to see a lot of animal waste on the food. You know, again, you're going to basically want to make sure that you wash it and inspect it before you eat it, and of course when you buy it. If you can do that, that's all you really need to do. You know, the organic is really nice, don't get me wrong, but it's pretty much just a marketing play at this stage of the game. Until we actually get some actual definitions of what organic really is, you know, it's pretty much a useless name and it's just a great way to add a little bit of cost to it. If you want to deal with organic stuff and that's your price, you want to get it at a reasonable price, track down your local farmer's market. You're going to see a lot of really great prices on a lot of great food. Ill except for eggs. I've never understood that. Um, I've never seen a dozen eggs go for less than like five bucks at a farmer's market. Weird. But I can always buy them like about two or three bucks at a grocery market. But other than that, you know, a farmer's market is an incredible place to go to. Plus it gives you the exclusive uh, way to get some air in. GMO, by the way, is another one of those great myths you have to deal with. As it stands now, there is no scientific evidence that, generally speaking, GMO products are a, prob a health risk. It's something you might want to keep in mind, but generally speaking, it's just not a major issue. Yeah, I know you're going to have a lot of people that are going to help me with email for like the next 20 years trying to prove this point, but the reality is is that no scientific organization has actually found genetically modified organisms to be an actual health risk. It's just there's just no real scientific foundation for it. Like you said, it's something to worry about because there always is the possibility that see, something bad could happen, but it's not exactly a reasonable one. All these products usually have to go through some sort of screening process, and it's usually a pretty good one. So, you know, I have to allow for the fact that there are errors made, humans being humans and all that. But generally speaking, GMO products are reasonably safe. Ramen is perfectly fine in a good, decent diet. The problem you have is a lot of idiots basically go that it's a bachelor food, it's a cheap food, so therefore it has to have something wrong with it. And hey, it's got that really cool shape to it, which is obviously not natural, so obviously there has to be something holding it together. Because of this, you have a lot of people putting out that ramen is covered in wax, and that when you do anything to melt the wax, it's just simply going into the liquid and causes potential problems later on. Yeah, these people are morons. The reason it's holding that shape is because it's made out of a really great flour, rice flour, and water, put into a shape, you know, stretched really thin, put into a particular shape, and allowed to dry. The drying process allows it to keep that particular shape. There's no wax involved. Yeah, I, it's just, it's bachelor food, it's cheap food, so... While we're at foods with a nasty reputation, we're also looking at modiosonum glutamate, or MSG. Uh, this is a real basic one. Basically, back in the 70s and 80s, we had a lot more Chinese immigrants. They decided to set up their own little Chinese restaurants. And other restaurants didn't like the competition, so they started spreading really bad rumors. 
this is where you get a lot of the not only is the MSG is hazardous to your health, but also Chinese restaurants tend to find cats and dogs and throw them in the food. Yeah, this is pretty much nothing more than urban legend. MSG, you know, I'm not going to say it's perfectly healthy for you, but if you're just eating enough for it to give it food flavor, it's going to be good for you. It's going to be fine. You know, if you're going to, on the other hand, eat an entire vat of this stuff, you're on your own. Seek therapy immediately. Real quick, meat is not bad. I mean, obviously, if you eat too much of it, just like anything else, you know, if you eat too much fruit, you're going to get diabetes because of the sugar involved in the fruit. Uh, meat in and of itself, usually not a problem. And another food that has a rep bad reputation is margarine. You have a lot of idiots to point out margarine is only one molecule away from being plastic. Well, here's a reality check for you. Plastic is an organic molecule. The only difference between plastic and pretty much any food you're going to eat is going to be one or two molecules. It's just, you know, it's one form of organic material just as corn is, just as meat is, and just as margarine is. It's a neat way of scaring you away from a really cool product. Again, I everybody has their own weird stuff. All right, let's do a real quick couple of minutes on exercise. Um, exercise is pretty much going to be up to whatever you like. Straight up, as long as you're doing something physical, you should be good to go. Um, I don't care if it's a 20-minute walk a day, you know, doing, swinging a sword around, you know, dancing. Sculptors are really hated by everybody here because they tend to do a lot of physical exercise as part of their art. The bottom line is you need to find something you're going to like. The, what I'm going to suggest is if you need something that's really, you know, quick, is what I call the Sergeant Rock Exercise Regiment. Yeah, I was ex-military 25th Division Light, Schofield Barracks, Hawaii. And while I was there, I made friends with this really great first sergeant from the infantry platoon, and me being a tank killer and all that. Um, his platoon regularly scored the maximum points as far as any physical fitness test, which was incredibly astounding because it just doesn't happen that often. Um, the way he accomplished this, obviously, they spent a lot of time in the gym. For those of you who don't have the time or the money to spend time in the gym, real basic system. You start off with eight push-ups or eight sit-ups. You alternate those day, you know. So if you do like push-ups on a Tuesday, you'll do sit-ups on, on a Wednesday. You just put those around for six days of the week. The seventh day of the week, obviously, rest. You're going to start off with eight of these, and you're going to do these for eight minutes. Here's how you're going to, what you're going to end up doing is you're going to basically do as many, do the eight as quickly as you possibly can, and you're trying to do these in less than a minute, because the rest of the minute, you once you're done with the push-ups or the sit-ups, you just rest for the remainder of the minute. Over time, you should be adding more sit-ups and push-ups to the reps as well as more minutes to the t total endurance. Um, what I would advise 
is adding one or two push-ups or sit-ups every week or so, and until you, and then adding a minute, minute the other week. Eventually, you should be hitting uh, roughly about 315 push-ups or sit-ups a day. You're going to start off with 64 and go all the way up to about 315. Again, you're doing the X amount of sit-ups and push-ups as quickly as you possibly can. And you're trying to do, and for the remainder of that minute, you can rest. So if you do, if you're doing like 10 sit-ups and you can do them in like 10 seconds, you got 50 seconds of rest. And you just repeat this for the total amount of time. So, the real basic system. You start off with eight, add two every two or three weeks, add a minute every two or three weeks, and you should max out at about 21 push-ups or sit-ups over a 15-minute period. Or, sorry, that didn't work out right. Yeah, sorry. Uh, let's try that over about a 20-minute period. If you can do that, hey, you're rocking it solid. Um, ultimately, all I can say is, you know, find some sort of exercise that works for you. If you can do something that makes you buff and incredibly attractive, hey, outstanding. But if you just do something to get you out of the workspace, that's all the major issue here is. You know, doing something active away from your workspace, you're going to appreciate getting out of the workspace, if nothing else. Also, make it a point to eat as healthy as possible. I hope this helps. Have a good day.